Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Morning. I'm excited that you guys are here. If you're new with us, my name is Danny and I'm one of the pastors here at Kesset. Uh, we're starting a brand new series here today called Out Loud. This series will run us all the way through Easter. And uh, today is kind of our introduction to the series so that, uh, so that you know what this is about. I think it's going to meet a really felt need that uh, people are experiencing within the Christian community. I believe that, uh, that God really gave it to us uh, for, for a time such as this. And I'm really, really excited about it. And today we're going to talk about what it looks like and how you can participate in it over the next couple months as we dive in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and uh, ask God to just remove any distractions we walked in with, ask him to, to fill our minds with the things he wants us to ponder, the things he wants us to wrestle with. Lord, we know that, that our lives are busy. We know that there are worries that are big, things that are so close in front of us, Lord, we can't see above, or below, or around, but God, you know. You know what it means to, to complete the task. You know what it means to live a holy life. And Lord, you are leading the way. And so I ask that in this room right now, every person here would just feel that, would just experience that, would feel a connectedness to you, would feel a, a gathering within themselves as you calmly, Lord, speak and see into their lives. We are so thankful that we get to do this. We are so thankful that we get to talk about you, wrestle with you, be confronted by you, challenged by you, even question you. We are blessed, God, to be in a place that you meet us so intimately. We praise you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Peter. That's going to be the, uh, the primary passage that, that we're going to stay in uh, throughout this series, and I'll explain why. Um, I don't know about you. I'm just going to go off of my own personal testimony here and the fact that I talk to a lot of Christian people about Christian community. And uh, recently I spent time with a whole bunch of pastors here in Clark County that, that, that had the same discussion that I'm about to, to kind of have with you. And that is this idea that as this world strays farther and farther from what the gospel stands for, farther and farther from, from what uh, scripture says, uh, a way in which a life should be lived, it has become harder and harder for us as Christians to speak out our faith, to share what we believe without looking judgmental or rigid or righteous. And so what I've noticed is that a lot of Christians have become very quiet. They, they won't necessarily waver in what they believe, but they don't really shine what they believe. They don't really stand firm. They, they do anything they can to not offend somebody or proclaim something that, that would bother somebody else's moral values or, or, or spin their moral compass. And, and it's becoming more difficult to be Christ-like in this world. Now, the Bible says very clearly this is going to happen. The Bible says very clearly this will always happen, that, that darkness will continue to grow, that darkness will continue to envelop, and that we as Christians, that we have a job to do, and that job is to shine brighter. The Bible refers to this kind of living as living with light. Let me give you just a couple verses. John 12, 36a says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons and daughters of light. 
What an incredible description of what it means to be a Christian, to be a son and daughter of light, to be someone that, that walks into a place and people go, whoa, that person's, they don't fit in here. They don't really know why they don't fit in here, but, but they don't fit in here. Now, the pastoral title that I carry often, uh, often comes with its own baggage. As a matter of fact, my wife many times is, is very bothered by it because we will uh, be in a place and, and we, get, we, get, uh, we get cart checked a lot. I don't know, you've probably, some of you have done this to me and you're here right now, but like we'll be pushing ourselves through the grocery store and people will walk up and then they'll like look in our cart to see if everything we bought is appropriate. Like did we buy the right amount of Pop-Tarts or were we excessive? Is there a bottle of wine in our cart? Because I don't know about that. Like what's up with all that meat? You know, I thought you guys were Christ followers. You know, stuff like that. Right? And, and so I'm fairly used to being watched. I'm fairly used to being cart checked just about everywhere I go. And, and, uh, and I'm, I don't know why, but it's just kind of, I just keep my cards very close to the vest. And it's not that I'm, that I'm hiding anything. It's just that I recognize that different people in different places believe different things. And people see me up here and then they see me out there and they, they, they have an expectation. Whether they like me or not, the expectation is the same. I used to think that when people liked me less, the expectations would go away. It actually goes up. When they like me less, then they're like, he better live up here. If they like me a lot, they're like, he's human. This is a difficult thing, but it's actually a, a, a true reality. And it, it really, it, in, a, it, in some ways, is how we all live once we say we're Christians. Once people find out that we're Christ followers, our light becomes something people actually judge us by. It's not even that we're light, it's how bright of light. How well lit, how consistently lit. All these kinds of things are what we're going to talk about within this series. A couple more verses to back this up. Ephesians 5.14. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we have this idea that when we become saved, when we, when, when we start that process, when, we're, when our discipleship and development journey begin, it's Jesus who's shining his light on us that we're reflecting back to him. It's not some light from within us. It is Christ's light shined upon us that is reflected back to him that this world sees and so bothers them. And then another great verse, last verse on light, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Let your light shine on others. It doesn't say if you have a light or if you've decided to be light or, hey, once you're mature enough and memorize enough scripture and your light flickers into being, this, this isn't how light works. Light is a reflection of Christ in your life, and the day you become a Christian is the day that you were filled with his light, and it's the day that others will be looking upon your life for that same light. That's why we're the hands and feet of Jesus, because oftentimes people can't see Jesus. They can see his light through us. Through our serving, through our giving, through our sacrificing, through our forgiveness, through our grace-filled lives, Jesus Christ is reached by us. And so it is an amazing privilege we have to be the light that he's called us to be. Another way to think about this would be to say we are all called to live our lives out loud. We are called to find a way to express who Jesus is into this world. To live a life out loud means that I live my life purposely and with spiritual intention that I'm not just so career driven or or so uh, efficiency driven or so discipline driven that I forget what it's all about because you can do all those things and be filled with darkness 
The things in your life that are filled with light are often the things that you can do that reflect who Jesus is. And they're not always churchy things, by the way. I want to be clear. They're not about preaching or teaching or leading a Bible study. Those things are all very lit up things, and they're all wonderful. But you can even be a broken person and do that. You can have a lot of darkness within you and get on stage and preach a good sermon. You know that, right? I just I want to make sure you know that because a lot of people don't realize that although preaching is spirit-filled, it is also a talent. It is something I think that God gives people. And when it's used wrong, any kind of Christian thing, by the way, when it's used wrong, can look from the outside like it's filled with light, but upon closer judgment actually be filled with darkness. It actually is meeting a secret need, a private need. That's why at Kessler we talk a lot about emotional health here. Because we want to know why the things we're doing are filled with light and why those things bless us. And oftentimes, if we don't know why we do them, then a little bit of ourselves spills in there and confuses that light and confuses the people looking at it and I think limits its effectiveness. You and I are called to be light, but we're called to be the light of Jesus, not the light of Danny. Yeah. That's why this ministry continues to be Uh, spoken against from stage because I don't want it to be a brand. I don't want it to be um, a theme. I don't want it to be an expression only. I want it to be what Jesus wants it to be, and I want it to be him in spite of me and in spite of you and in spite of anything that we do. I want it to stand firm on the cornerstone of what the Bible stands upon, which is the name of Jesus. And so you will see guest speakers on this stage, and you will attend when they are here. We are going to break whatever culture this is that's happening. I'm going to start lying on Facebook and just saying, I'm there this weekend. It's going to be great. And then I'm going to sit in the back row because I was there. I just wasn't on stage. But we need a church. We need a church filled with people that understand it's not built on a person. It's not built on a place. This building downtown, I'm going to talk about this within the series. It's not going to define us. It's not going to speak into who we are. It itself is not the light. Lots of people have actually told me that. Like, can you believe God's building a beacon downtown? I'm like, man, there's already a bunch of people that live in this church that live downtown. There's beacons everywhere downtown. We're just going to gather in one place to get refueled before we go out and do what the church is supposed to do. That church isn't going to change Vancouver. The people in it are. The building will not define us. The pastor, the preacher, the worship, the style, the art, all those things are expressions of ways that God is moving within his people. They are not things we use to bring people. They are expressions from the people God has already brought. That's why creativity has never been an issue here at Kesson. People have never claimed that we're performance-driven, and yet we do all kinds of things. We have dance. We did drama. We have these crazy stages that we take way too long to set up. <laughs> Our poor setup team, way too long. You will see less of these glowing balls next week, I promise you that. (laughs) First time I've ever gotten in trouble for a set was this morning. But these things will not define us. They don't define us. Church, setup crew. (laughs) (laughs) The entire setup crew right now is not laughing. I just want you to know that. I know all their faces, they're like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) dripping sweat and (laughs) it's beautiful to be a part of a church that can do this and can set in this place and that's what we want to talk about we're going to look at a beautiful piece of scripture proclaiming this very truth that we are called to live our lives out loud in spite of the consequences second peter and i'm going to read the niv version so it's on the screen because it has a few words in it that i like 
that I want to use. Second uh, Peter 1, chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 3 and verse 4. It says this. It says, His divine power, that's Jesus, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, those things I just read, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is an epic verse. And the verses following it that we're going to study as well throughout the series are unbelievably um, uh, poignant and pointed for the season that we're living. I will say over and over again, Scripture and Spirit are the things that you must hold on to in this world. No matter how big the storm gets, no matter how loud the opposition yells or screams or attacks, none of those things, none of those things are going to be louder than the God who built you and built I for a time such as this. You were chosen to live in this generation. You could have lived in a generation hundred years past or a hundred years in the future, but you were chosen to live in this generation, and you and I have the tools to do what we're supposed to do, but if we are not sensitive to the Spirit and the situations we encounter and also we're not grounded in the Scripture, then we will miss our opportunity to speak into the storm that rages with the whisper of who God is. I want to unpack this verse just a little bit. The first thing you might notice, it says his divine power. It seems the key to living life out loud with purpose and direction starts with knowing Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you are rudderless. You can have a degree in philosophy. You can be a moral expert. You can, you can stand firm on your, on your knowledge of psychology and all these other things that human nature tend to gravitate towards. But if you do not know the person of Jesus, then you will be swept away with the current of common thinking, because it's just the way that human nature works. As we know him better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living this bold, godly, lit-up life. It's knowing him that gives us the power we need. The passage makes two bold promises following that introduction of his divine power. First verse, again, let's look at it. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. This promise uh, translated for us is that he has called us to receive his own glory and goodness, and by that same mighty power, he has given us all of his rich and wonderful promises. He has given us the promises riddled with scripture, these promises, but it is only by his divine power, again, the knowledge of him, that we have access to them. The next part of the verse says, through these, okay, the knowledge of him and the divine power that he has given, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Okay, translated, he has promised that you will escape the decadence surrounding you caused by evil desires and that you will share in his divine nature. That He says there's promises that you have access to through his power. And by, by the way, first promise, you can escape everything you see that's overwhelming you that says it's going to decay my moral personhood. I've been more concerned about, about my daughter entering high school than any of my previous children. 
I, I don't know if it's just the way that I see things or if I'm getting older and more separated from the way common thinking has gone, but my daughter is now a freshman in high school, and I'm more concerned for her than I was her sister before her and my son before them both. I, this world is just going where it's going, and it is going to continue to go there. And if I'm not careful, there is this sense of overwhelmingness and fear that, that I am powerless to do anything about it. The questions my little girl comes home and asks me, I didn't ask till I was 25 years old. She's like, Dad, I heard about this. And I'm like, what? Who is talking about that? Oh, girl on my bus. That's crazy. Who is thinking these thoughts? Who is, uh, we have more, not just teenage, but adolescent suicides than we have had ever before. And this is an important thing to address. And it's not a scare tactic. It's just a feeling that I have that other pastors are hearing it within their churches as well, that people don't know what to do. The answer usually is pray more. Man, I'm going to pray for my school. I'm going to walk around the school. I'm going to show up on the day of prayer. This is oftentimes a wonderful response, and yet the world keeps sliding. So you begin to feel overpowered. Jesus says that he has promised that he will give you the power to escape the destruction that this world is heading towards if you are willing to live within his divine nature. This means whatever we need to live our lives with excellence, spiritually and naturally, has been given to us through the power of our relationship with Jesus Christ, spiritually, his divine nature, and naturally within the world and all that we're experiencing within it. All of these things have been given to us through the power of relationship with Jesus Christ. It isn't just a slogan that Jesus really is the reason for everything. He really is the answer. And if you don't know him and if you don't have relationship with him, that could be the first step away from feeling a sense of purpose within your life because he is the one that brings it all together within his harmony. It's his spirit living within us that enables us to live out loud. The Bible also says that Jesus came that we might have life in abundance, one filled with overflowing. It almost seems like contrast in some ways because there's, there's such this overwhelming sense of how do I live my moral goodness? How do, I, how do I shine light upon the people, especially those of us who work in secular environments or minister to secular environments because you don't want to come across like this religious zealot, but you also want to be who Jesus called you to be. Jesus says that we are to have life in abundance, that we are to experience all of these things and not have this sense of overwhelming, but instead, instead it should be a sense of overflowing. I want you to notice, though, no one ever reads the verse in front of this verse. No one ever reads the other comment or statement that Jesus makes right before he says you're supposed to have life abundance. Did you know it comes from this passage in John 10.10? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy is out there, Jesus says. He is real and he is strategic. And you better stop playing. He says, you want to have life abundance? Guess what? It's going to come from your experience with the enemy. It's going to come from him stealing and destroying the things that, that this world claims are important because he's going to wear you down and wear you out. What you need to do when the enemy steals is choose the one who can never be overcome. 
For yes, the enemy is out there. Yes, he is real. Yes, he is strategic. Yes, he is in my daughter's high school. Yes, he sits on the bus. Yes, we experience the struggle every single day. But the reality is this does not define me because the enemy is not all-powerful. And he is already defeated. That word that Jesus uses abundantly, it's a Greek word, and it means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, and more than sufficient. He says, this is the kind of life you and I are supposed to be living. Is your life filled with this kind of abundance? Is it filled with these kinds of experiences, or are you always just a red line above empty? Or maybe you're that, that flashing point. Some of us, our cars flash once we get past the red line, and that's when we actually pull over and get gas. Aaron. <laughs> I'm like, you are so low. She's like, is it flashing? No, I'm not that low. Hmm. Well, that's cool. If you're not living a life filled with abundance, if you're not living a life overflowing with more love, patience, peace, and faith than you even need, then maybe the thief is stealing from you without you really recognizing it. Maybe it's not about the stuff in your life or even your physical body. Maybe he's stealing the love in your life. Have you processed that before? Maybe he's stealing the peace in your life, the patience in your life. You're irritated and edgy. Maybe he's stealing the goodness in your life. I'll tell you one thing that is probably the most common experience I have meeting with, with new Christians to Kessid, um, especially new Christians who've been Christians for a long time, is this deep, deep cynicism that this church will hurt them just like the other one. That this place will affect them just like the other one. And really, it's not about the church. It's not about the, me. It's not about anything to do with here, really what they're upset about and who they're disappointed with is God. And there's this deep cynicism that sets in that God isn't really going to provide for them. He's not really going to protect them. They don't see the fruit of any of the trials they've been through, and they live in this place that is less than. Less than they should have love, less patience than they should have, less peace, less faith, less all those things. I would proclaim that the thief has stolen all those things from them. Maybe you're not making the decisions that lead to an abundant life. Maybe you continue in the same lifestyle you've always been in. You just added Jesus to it on a different night. Friday night, you're here. You know what that's about. Wednesday night, you're here. You know what that's about. Tuesday morning, you know where you're at. I'm going to throw in Sunday, round it all off. That's not the kind of Jesus following that he requires. We must believe and receive to experience this abundantly bright life. And it's not a belief in ourselves, as the world says. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Jesus is the him this verse is talking about. He is the promise of God. When we live out loud with his direction and purpose, his promises are fulfilled in our lives, and he receives glory from a life that reflects his goodness. Have you ever really thought about that, what it means to live a life out loud, that it's really reflecting the goodness of Jesus? Have you ever thought about this idea that God's goodness to you, when lived out through your life, would bring him glory? When you live your life out loud, you bring glory to God. You bring glory to who he is. 
This is what we're going to talk about throughout this entire series, how to experience God's plans accomplished through his promises within our lives. How to be who we're supposed to be, to be still when God calls us to be still, to be loud when God calls us to be loud, to be, to be people of critical strike. I had a friend who was a Marine, and his whole thing was that there were lean and mean. We're not overcome and overwhelmed with all these other things we don't need. What if Christ followers, we could figure out a few things that God has called us to accomplish in our lives that make us lean and mean and effective? Over the next few weeks, this is what we're going to look at. For the next verse, the next three verses after the one we just read, really lie, within them lie the steps we need to take to experience this abundant life. Let me read them to you. We don't have to figure it out now. We're going to dive into it throughout the next few weeks, all the way through Good Friday, Palm Sunday, and Easter. The verse continues in 2 Peter, starting in verse 5. For these things that we've learned today, these things we've talked about, for this very reason, make every effort, and then look at the steps given, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will teach you how to be lean and how to move inside this world, how to stand firm. And yet filled with eyes that bestow grace. How amazing each of those things are. And yet you're going to see how incredibly easy to bring into our lives if we're willing to drop incredibly difficult things in front of them. It's through these things God is offering you and I a life filled with goodness and abundance. A life filled with more than we need. More love, more patience, more peace, more faith than we could ever understand. And as the world continues to move into darkness, we then can move into light. Brighter and brighter we can burn brighter and brighter with the knowledge of who Jesus is. We can drop addictions. We can drop lifelong struggles. That fear that just hovers over us, that anxiety that penetrates who we are, all of these things can fall away when we exchange them for the person of Jesus Christ. This is not a get help series. This is a get Jesus series. And when you get Jesus then the things inside your life that you thought were so overpowering and so heavy that you could never lift them by yourself, then those things begin to weigh away because it becomes Jesus' strength who lifts them for you. This is what I want our church to be about. This Easter, I think, is going to be very different than a lot of people expect. It's going to feel different. It's going to accomplish something different. Because this Easter, we are going to focus solely, as we always should, and I believe as we always have, but with this kind of teaching in mind leading up to it, I believe that that focus will be even more acute, even more directed, as we learn more about the person of Jesus and how he impacts all of our daily lives. Isaiah 60, 1 through 2, last verse says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, 
Lord, within this place, I can feel the tension in the room as people begin to wrestle with their own anxiety, their own fears, the things in their world that occupy the front part of their mind that they see everything through, the things that color them, that jade them. I ask, Lord, in this room right now that you would bring forth a sense of arising. Allow it to be quiet, Lord, at first, maybe small even, but may it be specific, God, to what every person in this room is feeling, exactly where they are within their faith, within their story, within their person, Lord. May you just awaken within them this sense of your lifting of that heaviness. May they recognize, Lord, that there is distraction, that there are things within their world that have kept them from being effective for you, that have kept them from being focused, Lord, upon the things you're focused on, reaching the people you want to reach. May this, Lord, bring incredible loving conviction into our lives. As we lift before you, God, the scripture you've given us through the spirit of your revelation, may it impact us. May it tattoo our hearts, Lord, with your love, in spite of opposition, in spite of destruction, in spite of downward motion, Lord, may we lift up our heads, our eyes, our voices, our ears and our hands. May we proclaim you worthy, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation, I arise today. Through the strength of Christ's birth and his baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion and his burial, through the strength of his resurrection and his ascension, through the strength of his descent for the judgment of doom, I arise today. Through the strength of the love of cherubim, in obedience of angels, in service of archangels, in the hope of resurrection to meet with reward, in the prayers of patriarchs, in the preachings of the apostles, in faith of confessors, in innocence of virgins, in deed of righteous men, I arise today. Through the strength of heaven, light of sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, firmness of the rock, I arise today. Through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from the snares of the devil, from temptations of vices, from everyone who desires me ill, afar and near, alone or in a multitude, I suffer in today all these powers between me and evil against every cruel merciless power that opposes my body and soul against incantations of false prophets against black laws of pagandom against false laws of heterics against craft of idolatry against spells of women and smiths and wizards against every knowledge that corrupts man's body and soul Christ shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that reward may come to me in abundance. 
Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me, I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through a belief in the threeness, through a confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. See, I'm reminded of one of the things that I love so much about God is that he knows how to end a good story. So that I imagine Jesus dying on the cross and they probably thought that this was over. This is ending in defeat. Jesus has been defeated. He has been overcome by the darkness of the world. But the story wasn't over because when God writes your story, he ends it in his victory. And so Jesus not only died, but he also rose and he rose with power as a reflection and as a symbol of what he's given us power to do. He's given us power to rise. So it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be great. It doesn't mean that trials and circumstances and pressures won't fall. They will fall, but they have the liberty to fall because Jesus has given us the power to rise. And you don't have to rise tomorrow when the situation looks good. No, he says that you can make a declaration to rise today. The things that you might've thought were a stumbling block was simply a stepping stool because you can rise today. So let's look to the Father in heaven. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for the power that you have given us to rise. Rise above the darkness, rise above defeat, rise above the enemy, rise above this world. God, to do the things that you've called us to do, to go the places that you've called us to go. See, things might be difficult, but God, you have given us the power to rise. And God, let our lives be a reflection just like your life was a reflection. When people look at us, let us not see someone who lived a perfect life. Let them see someone who learned that they have the ability and the power to rise. And so we thank you for all of these things, Father. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with us as we just celebrate? We rise in our faith. We get our hopes up.